Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. We're so pleased you were with us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment today, and we're delighted to welcome back Tina Smith, who is filling in for Carol. Uh, Tina uh, is the Director of Caregiver Program Operations for the Caregiver SOS Program through the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She earned a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in social gerontology. Tina has worked with seniors and caregivers for more than 30 years within the long-term care industry, the Bear Area Agency on Aging in San Antonio, and served as an adjunct instructor with Kaplan University. And she is now and has been for several years with the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And and Tina, it's so good to talk with you. One of the things that uh, you're responsible for uh, are the uh, caregiver uh, folks who provide help and counseling to caregivers. Yes, yes. Our our goal here at Caregiver SOS is to provide those caregivers uh, the information and support that they need so that they can continue uh, to provide care for their loved ones. So we do have caregiver specialists who can provide that that one-on-one coaching, just a listening ear or just provide some guidance. So again, want to give uh, caregivers the help that they need. And part of the help they need really is dealing with the incredible trauma that often comes with caregiving. It, it can be. I mean, um, we've talked about this before. Caregiving is not something that people plan for. Something is sometimes just something that uh, creeps up on them, or sometimes it's a health event that that creates it. But nonetheless, uh, a lot of people are, um, sometimes they don't even give themselves the name of caregiver um, based on what they're doing. So it's, it can be tough. Well, we're fortunate to have a very special guest today, Dr. Deborah Korn. Uh, Dr. Korn uh, is a, uh, has a doctorate in psychology. She's a licensed clinical psychologist, maintains a private practice in Cambridge, Massachusetts, in the shadow of Harvard University. She's an adjunct training faculty member at the Trauma Research Foundation in Boston and has been on the faculty of the EMDR Institute for the past 28 years. Deborah Korn, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. I, I use those initials EMDR, uh, which folks will begin and, and have been hearing more and more about. Uh, you are an expert in Uh, the delivery of EMDR counseling. What is it? (laughs) Well, EMDR, the letters EMDR stand for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. It's a mouthful. It's an earful. Let me break it down a little bit. Desensitization refers to the reduction of distress, fear, and anxiety. Reprocessing refers to the reevaluation or the restructuring of thoughts and beliefs and the transformation of one's sense of self relative to past traumatic experiences. It's about moving the past fully into the past. And then there's the eye movement component. Now, Francine Shapiro, the developer of EMDR therapy, accidentally discovered that purposely moving your eyes horizontally back and forth while focusing on a traumatic memory leads to a reduction in the vividness and emotional intensity of the memory. She developed an effective protocol for treating post-traumatic stress disorder and trauma-related problems using this 
bilateral stimulation or this back and forth eye movements. And she published the first research study on this approach in 1989, working with rape survivors and uh, Vietnam combat veterans, hence the name eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. And EMDR is a memory focused psychotherapy that helps people deal with the impact and the legacy of trauma and adverse experiences in their lives. And it's based on the idea that psychological problems are related to a failure to adequately process traumatic experiences or memories. So these these experiences, these unprocessed traumatic memories remain frozen or locked in our nervous system, and they continue to affect how we perceive things, decisions we make, reactions we have, the beliefs we hold about ourselves and others, and then present-day triggers, situations that somehow remind us of what we've been through, activate these unprocessed traumatic memories leading to symptoms that cause ongoing distress. And in EMDR therapy, we help clients access and activate their unprocessed traumatic memories with a set of focused questions, questions like what picture represents the worst part of that experience that you went through, What's the belief about yourself that comes up when you think about that experience, like it's my fault, or I'm not good enough, or I'm trapped? Um, What are the feelings that come up? What are the sensations you feel in your body when you think about this experience? And then um, we jumpstart the brain's information processing system using bilateral back and forth stimulation. And with EMDR reprocessing, a client's distress eventually decreases and relevant adaptive information located in other parts of the brain, helpful present day perspectives and wisdom gets integrated. So by the end of a piece of work, we our hope is that a client would land in a place where they can say, it's over, it's truly over, I can put it in the past, I'm safe now. Right. I was only a kid doing the best that I could do. It wasn't actually my fault. I'm in control now. I have choices. And there are there are shifts in thoughts, feelings, behaviors, physical sensations in the body. Healing involves spontaneous movement toward more positive thinking, more manageable feelings, and a significant reduction in the level of disturbance experienced in one's body. Well, as I listen to this, and, and uh, let me remind folks who just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. We're talking with Dr. Deborah Korn about EMDR, evidence-based memory-focused trauma therapy, especially for those who suffered from uh, some kind of incredible event that's led to PTSD. Tina Smith is here as our co-host today, filling in for Carol Zerniel. Uh, I mentioned to Deborah off the air uh, that in the 1980s, I had the uh, privilege of being executive director of the Rape Crisis Center in San Antonio, Texas, really one of the first men in America ever to lead a rape crisis center. And I had a firsthand experience witnessing what EMDR can do. One of our therapists back then uh, had heard about it. We sent her for special training and she began using it uh, with, with many of her clients who were victims of sexual assault. And one of the best examples, Deborah, she had one client uh, who, when the client was scheduled to come to the office, I, as a male, couldn't even be in the office because she was so frightened of and and traumatized by men. And by the time the the, uh, series of EMDR sessions was over, I not only could be there, I met her, we talked. Uh, She was uh, very gracious and thankful 
uh, for the kind of help that uh, the Rape Crisis Center provided for her. And I can't think of any better example of how EMDR had helped her. But to this day, even having seen the results, uh, Deborah Korn, I don't know how it works. What makes it work? <laughs> well, we there are a lot of questions about the mechanisms behind EMDR. And um, <clears throat> I would have to say that we still don't know completely uh, what makes it work, but we do know some things. Um, when we talk about bilateral, the bilateral stimulation component of EMDR, right? Bilateral stimulation refers to any facilitated stimulation that challenges the client to orient or track laterally back and forth with their attention, stimulating both sides of the brain. Now, we might have a client uh, follow our fingers, the therapist's fingers with their eyes. We might have them follow a ball that goes back and forth. We might have them listen to tones that go back and forth. We might tap on their hands back and forth as they rest their hands on their lap. But what we do know is that there have been about 30 randomized controlled trials um, that substantiate the positive effects of eye movements. So now we can unequivocally report that eye movements reduce negative emotions, imagery vividness, and emotional overwhelm, emotional arousal. And eye movements also increase or enhance memory retrieval. So they help people access the material that's internal, that's causing symptoms, causing distress. It increases recognition of true information. So if people have confusion about what happened, it helps people to gain insight. <clears throat> we know that there's positive neurophysiological changes that come with these eye movements and an increase in flexible thinking. And there's a, a number of hypotheses about what's actually happening here. Um, there's a hypothesis that says eye movements activate the same neurological processes that occur in rapid eye movement sleep, REM sleep, leading to a reduction in all of these things like negative emotion and, um, you know, increasing flexibility and in thinking, increasing insight. There's a hypothesis with a lot of research support that says eye movements elicit what we call an orienting response um, that activates a relaxation in the body that allows the brain to get into an optimal state to continue processing what someone's been through. And then probably the hypothesis that has the most support suggests that eye movements um, and other forms of dual attention stimulation, meaning having the person engage in some other activity while they're focusing on their old stuff, while they're focusing on their memory, that dual attention or that bilateral stimulation taxes the limited capacity of working memory, meaning people can only hold so much in mind at one moment. And if you tax that capacity, if you ask them to do more than one thing, you're going to see a deterioration in what's being held in mind. So you see a reduction in the vividness and the distress of what's inside. Um, when you're taxing working memory. So those are some of the scientific hypotheses and explanations, but really at a clinical level, what I think about when I sit with people and I'm there trying to help people heal, it really is a process that allows people to access what they've been avoiding inside, what they've been pushing away, right? The memories, the feelings, the impulses, the tears, 
It allows them to bring it forward, to access it, and to engage the brain in a way that allows them to complete the processing, to really move it to some kind of resolution. Um, you know, I think the eye movements or the bilateral stimulation is kind of the secret sauce <laughs> that allows us to do that more effectively than talk therapy, than other forms of therapy. But we're really facilitating a chance to process, to reflect on uh, experiences that are in need of attention. Now, hold that thought. I want to come back to you. And one of the things I want to talk about, uh, I hear some of what people would call confrontational uh, therapy. You're afraid to go across a bridge, so I make you go across a bridge. We'll talk about that and more as we look at EMDR on Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Tina Smith, our special co-host today, and we're talking with Dr. Deborah Korn. Uh, we're talking about EMDR and how it can help people who have suffered from all kinds of trauma. Thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. so pleased you were sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Tina Smith in today for Carol Zerniel as our co-host, and we're talking with Dr. Deborah Korn, a psychotherapist dealing with EMDR, evidence-based memory-focused trauma therapy. Uh, and, and as we were listening uh, to your description, Dr. Korn, uh, it, it struck me as, as somewhat similar uh, to so, what some call confrontational therapy. I, you know, I wouldn't describe it as confrontational therapy. You know, EMDR is, it's paced, it's gentle, it's collaborative. You know, the role of the therapeutic relationship is very important. Um, but we do believe that it is critical to get to the core, to get to the foundation of the symptoms that so many people are struggling with, whether it's post-traumatic stress disorder, whether it's depression, whether it's pain in the body, whether it's anxiety, you know, we're using EMDR for a whole range of psychological difficulties. And we really do believe, and the evidence seems to support that it's critical to get at the memories that are locked in the nervous system, frozen and locked in the nervous system, continuing to kind of get stirred up and reactivated and manifesting in the form of distorted thoughts, reactions, behavioral patterns that are not serving the person well. So we do do a lot of education right up front with our clients that supports this idea of going toward the material, toward the experiences and the feelings that they have been compartmentalizing, that they've been pushing to the side, that they've been defending against in the service of trying to keep functioning in the world. You know, we really do make a case that we, if we can get to those memories and we can complete this processing, 
they're going to experience a, a, a relief of freedom that has been elusive for them. Now, can anyone be trained to do EMDR? You need to be a, a licensed mental health professional. We only train licensed mental health professionals because this is a psychotherapy. It's a comprehensive psychotherapy. It's not a quickie technique. Um, even though EMDR is incredibly efficient, incredibly cost efficient, it's not a quickie technique. So it's embedded in an overall psychotherapy. And um, as long as you're a licensed mental health professional or on a track to become a licensed professional, then um, you can obtain training for EMDR. In and I, I thought I read that uh, your point about treating all kinds of different conditions is that trauma is very often at the base of whatever you're struggling with. Well, I think it's important um, that we define trauma quite broadly, right? You know, in, in the book that I recently published with uh, my co-author, Michael Baldwin, we talk about how trauma is a part of life, right? We define trauma as any experience that feels overwhelming, that triggers strong negative emotions like shame or terror, helplessness, and you know anything that involves a sense of powerlessness or intense vulnerability. And, um, and we do know that trauma can be cumulative. Um, and you know when we talk about PTSD, we're often talking about big T traumas, events that anyone would consider traumatic, right? The shock traumas. Um, combat. Right, combat trauma, the murder of a loved one, childhood sexual, physical, or emotional abuse, uh, an environmental disaster. But I think, you know, what's what's important to talk about in terms of your program and in terms of reaching out and getting the word out to caregivers about the kind of help and support there is out there, it's important to talk about the little t traumas, right? The experiences that people might not necessarily recognize as traumatic or events that might not necessarily meet the diagnostic criteria for a so-called trauma, um, you know, experiences that involve helplessness or humiliation or failure or severe emotional pain or aloneness. Um, you know, you just described caregiving. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, examples in adulthood of what we call little t uh, trauma would be maybe a divorce or losing a job or a difficult move or in the again, in the case of your listeners, the stresses and strains of serving as a caregiver, uh, witnessing a loved one in pain, feeling power to, powerless within the medical system, you know, chronically getting disappointing or upsetting news. Um, in childhood, you know, for folks that have that childhood history of abuse or neglect or growing up in a chaotic or crazy family, right, feeling ignored, feeling different, feeling like you're unable to measure up or feeling helpless to change things. Um, and it, it's also, I think, really important to mention that trauma isn't just what happens to you, right, what you experience, what we call acts of commission, um, you know, like an assault or an emotional or physical abuse or a car accident. But trauma also involves omission, right? It refers to situations where things were supposed to happen, but they didn't. So situations where someone was not properly protected or listened to or cared for or valued, right? Experiences of getting lost in a system, experiences of neglect or deprivation or feeling abandoned. And we certainly know, particularly these days, 
as we've come through the pandemic, that it's so easy to get lost in this larger medical system. It's wow. so easy to feel so alone and like what you're experiencing is different or unlike what other people have experienced. So, um, so you know, EMDR can be helpful across all of these kinds of circumstances, both for what someone is experiencing in the present in terms of trigger situations or trauma, actual traumas in the present, but also for what it might be stirring up in terms of earlier life experiences that somehow are similar in some way in terms of that powerlessness or feeling guilty or feeling like you're not good enough. And the book, for those who are wondering, published by Workman, Every Memory Deserves Respect, EMDR, The Proven Trauma Therapy with the Power to Heal. Uh, it's available, I'm assuming, everywhere? It's available everywhere. And intended, and if people, if intended people... for... It's intended for the lay public. Um, therapists are buying it and giving it to their clients as a nice introduction to EMDR. It's, it is appropriate for anyone that is wanting to learn more about trauma, that's curious about EMDR, curious about whether EMDR might be appropriate for them or for someone in their lives. And, and if this, you were, this, go ahead, Tina. I was just going to say, or just ask, is EMDR... Is is this a widespread? Is this something, this type of therapy, something you'll find across the country? Yes. Uh, is it, you know, sort of, so somebody that's listening that might be interested, will they most likely be able to find someone in their area? That Absolutely. Um, you know, EMDR has been around for 30 years. We actively train people all across the country. There are EMDR therapists in every single state all across the world. And um, for anyone that is interested in finding an EMDR therapist, I would encourage them to go to our website, which is the name of our book, everymemorydeservesrespect.com, all one word. And um, there they'll find links um, to the EMDR International Association, the Find a Therapist directory, where they can look up therapists in their area. And, you know, we are in the midst of a mental health crisis right now, so it, it has been more challenging to find a therapist with availability these days. But if you call and reach out and someone is not available, I encourage people to just ask, you know, to just keep asking, do you know someone? And to, to work their way to finding someone. And when you find someone, uh, how do you know that they are really proficient at EMDR? Well, what you'll find on the EMDR International website is uh, that there are different levels of qualification or credentialing. So it's it's nicest if you can find someone who is certified in EMDR or someone who is a consultant in EMDR. It doesn't mean that someone who is not certified or who is not a consultant is not qualified, but those are the highest levels of credentialing. And so that is all notated on the website. And you want to be sure it's not someone who's self-taught and says, Correct. oh, I know how to do this. Correct. Absolutely. And um, uh, the very last chapter in our book uh, is called When You're Ready, Resources to Get You Started on Your EMDR Journey. And we talk about the, kind, the ways to interview a therapist, the questions to ask to get a sense of whether somebody might be a good fit for you. That's pretty cool. How has it changed your practice and your life? Mm, that's a lovely question. Well, honestly, I I could not imagine being a trauma therapist and working with people around all different kinds of trauma 
um, without EMDR. You know, I, I was trained in many different forms of trauma therapy prior to learning EMDR 30 years ago. And the reason why I sought out training in EMDR is because I wasn't satisfied with the results that I was seeing. I knew we could do better. I knew the work could be more efficient. People could get better faster. And EMDR has offered me that. So I love being able to say to clients when they walk through the door, um, you have been injured in your life. You have been suffering and you don't have to continue suffering. We can do this work together and you are going to feel better and to really feel confident that we can um, we can make a difference. We can work together and uh, work toward healing. Now, before we go, I noted in your bio that when you're not working, you love biking, hiking, singing, and kicking up your heels with friends and family. Are you singing in a group? I do. I do sing uh, with a group and it is the greatest therapy for me. It's the way that I you know, I get to unwind, I get to unload what I've taken in over the course of my day. And, um, you know, as a caregiver, uh, it is absolutely critical to find those things that allow you to, um, to shake things off at the end of the day and to, to bring joy into your life. Capricorn, thank you so much for being with us. For Tina Smith and Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We thank you all for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.